no justification for UIC's disparate treatment of Palestinian students who had every right to voice their concerns about UIC's Israel Study Abroad program. Excluding one group from educational opportunities, UIC's actions plainly violated Civil Rights Act. We are joined by Soha Khatib, senior at the University of Illinois at Chicago, on the board at SJP. What the conversation sounds like when you're planning a study abroad trip to an apartheid state. How can you protect the safety of Palestinian students? Would you go to apartheid South Africa? There was like one girl that was like, we have to bring our own pillows for the camping portion. (laughs) You went flyering. They called the cops. One of the cops grabbed her by her hijab. When was the last time that you guys have disciplined students for flyering? The dean said that he didn't know. Collaboration between oppressive state forces, cops, the Zionists, and the higher education system. When we do have interactions with Zionists on campus, not going to free Palestine with a student group. That's exactly what's going to free Palestine. They did not study (laughs) South African history. (laughs) Well, thank you for being here. Of course. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Obviously, we had to. Once I started reading about this story, I was like, Lord, this is like conspiracy. (laughs) This is like like multiple people involved like <laughs> racketeering it's like no i don't know what racketeering is it just sounds good right <laughs> so like that. No, let's it's get just, a rico in here it's like a rico violation yeah, exactly it's it's just so no, i'm organized. just talking about a regular guy named rico <laughs> okay <laughs> i feel like he would clean things up i don't know it's just organized crime like it's it reads it's so sketchy. I don't know. It's it's honestly yeah. it's unlike any of the other forms of discrimination against Palestinian Palestinian American students that we've seen on university campuses across the nation. I think it's important to raise awareness about this story for a number of reasons because one it's happening on a campus where there are there's a big Palestinian student population. Yeah. Right. Chicago has a huge, huge Palestinian population. And so if that's happening in a place where Palestinians are represented, you can only imagine what happens when Palestinians are on campus or in workplaces where they are a real minority. So let's get into all of this. Damn, your story is so juicy. It got Lara skipping the intro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Michael was like, Michael was like, oh, I just got this message. Should we have this girl on? And I was like, okay, let me look at it. And like sometimes Michael sends these messages and it's like not somebody that I'm super excited to have on. <laughs> but okay, also, this- I didn't frame the message like that. You know what I mean? Like, God damn, dude. It's like this I was random like, I'm- weird yeah. girl. So yeah, crazy. dude. Yeah. What the no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just playing. Michael. He knows that. He knows that. He knows that. No, but it's all of this is just to say how important I think it is to to talk about this and how excited we are to have you here. It's really it's really a compliment when you get to the end. That's of it. why I threw Michael <laughs> under the bus. <laughs> it's a compliment to you. Oh, I love you, Michael. Um, I love you too. Thank okay. you so much. Hello and welcome to episode 104 of the Palestine Pod, the weekly podcast where we break down the latest headlines dealing with Palestine from all over the world and bring you stories, commentary, and interviews with the aim of supporting the Palestinian struggle for decolonization, justice, and equal rights. I'm one of your hosts, Lara E. You might know me from Instagram as at Gaz and Girl, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mikey B. What's up, y'all? Mikey B on TikTok, Michael Scherzer on Instagram, and you can call me Mikey Intifada if you're a part of spending millions of dollars to detain college students for flyering on campus. 
Before we get into today's episode, please like, comment, and subscribe if you hang out with us on YouTube. If you're listening on a podcast app, subscribe and leave a review. As always, you can find our full episodes and sources on palestinepod.com. And if you want to get involved in the conversation, reach out to us at palestinepod at gmail.com and give us a follow on Instagram at the Palestine Pod. Find us also on Patreon, where you get early access to the Palestine Pod episodes and additional podcasts per week. It's called the Patreon Pod. We're a little more laid back over there. We talk politics, Palestine, pop culture, and get a little more personal. We're also hosting our monthly Zoom happy hours with our Patreon subscribers only. So really exciting stuff. Check us out on patreon.com slash Palestine Pod. So today we are joined by Soha Khatib, a senior at the University of Illinois at Chicago and on the board at the university's Students for Justice in Palestine. Soha, welcome to the Palestine Pod. Oh, thank you for having me. Me. Of course, we're so happy to have you. Thank you for being here. So today, I logged on to Instagram and I saw that Palestine Legal posted a story about what is going on at your university. If I read from the story, it says that Palestinian students filed a civil rights complaint against the University of Illinois at Chicago. The complaint explains that UIC barred Palestinian students from an informational session on a university-sponsored Israel study abroad program. Palestinian students were allowed in only after they changed their names to non-Arab sounding names, such as Haley, Rebecca, and Alyssa. Public records reveal that in the run-up to the study abroad informational session, UIC faculty and staff reached out to an outside consultant and discussed plans to deny admission to students who were likely to raise questions about the program's impact on Palestinian students. And when Palestinian students posted online about the discrimination that they faced, UIC staff threatened legal action. When the students posted flyers on campus about it, UIC called the police on the students. Palestinian students have now demanded that UIC take systemic action to ensure that Palestinian students are able to access services on an equal basis as other students and the discriminatory profiling and censorship of Palestinian and Arab students, amongst other demands. This is just a summary of what has happened on your campus. And... I don't even know where to start with this. Really Maybe quickly, I've got a joke. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, the students had to change their name to get into the Zoom, right? And once they changed it to Haley, they thought it was Haley Toach. And they were like, oh, we've got a VIP, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, so may- maybe let's start with let's start with this. When did you notice things were weird and that maybe something was happening that was out of the ordinary asked another way what year were you born (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know honestly like I think I've been so like active with Palestinian like activism on my campus for a really long time now and so initially in November of 2022 they had made a post about a study abroad trip to Israel and we basically just spammed the post like it hit about like 500 comments from like not only us but a bunch of people throughout Chicago we were talking about before Chicago has like one of the largest Palestinian populations in the whole country like there's certain villages here in Chicago where there's more Palestinians here than there are back home. Yeah, like when we had seen that, we were kind of like, let's just rally everyone in this area to just spam this post. Um, And they ended up taking it down. And that was like all that had happened with that at the time. Um, 
And then they made another post in January of 2023, again, about a study abroad trip to Israel, but this time about an informational Q&A session. And so I feel like that was kind of when we were like, we thought that they got the message already. It was being shared around through like people's family group chats on WhatsApp. Like there were a lot of randoms commenting on it that were non-UIC students. And we thought that uproar would kind of be enough, but no. And so when we joined the Q&A session, it was first weird because you had to register for it. So you had to send your name in and just like with your UIC email, and then they send you a Zoom link. And when we tried to use the original Zoom link that was sent, it wouldn't let us in. It said that that like wasn't a Zoom that was happening that had been canceled. And then we found out that only certain students got sent a new Zoom link. So what happened was they had started the Zoom meeting and seen all of like the Arab people trying to join and then canceled it and made a new Zoom link for like specific people that were in that meeting. And luckily we had a Jewish ally member who was there. And so she sent us the new link in the group chat. And then we all tried to join through that one. And I wasn't let in. I was sat there for about like an hour and a half, just like in the waiting room. I saw photos of it. You got detained at a Zoom checkpoint. Yeah, basically, (laughs) basically. Crazy here in Chicago. But yeah, and so then other members realized, you know, they're not letting us in because of our names. So let's change our names. And one member, Salam Qatar, who uh, was president at the time of SJP, changed her name to Rebecca Goldstein. And within about a minute, not even, she was like allowed in. And what's interesting about that is when we had done a Freedom of Information Act request, like a FOIA request, um, and we had seen the emails regarding it, they said they were only letting people in with names that they knew. So like people from the professor who was organizing the trip, her name's Varid Arbel. So she was saying like students that she's worked with before and that she spoke to about the trip were the only ones that were going to be let in. But then people with made up names were let in. And then people who were also like students that she knew, but with Arab names weren't allowed in. So yeah, that was like definitely kind of like the beginning catalyst for everything that came forward. Yeah. And really quickly, because I can already see people being like, oh, you changed your name to something Jewish and then you were let in. Isn't that anti-Semitic? And it'd be like, yeah, it would be if they didn't let you in immediately. Right? Like, <laughs> right. If they didn't right. let you, if you had just sat there with Rebecca Goldstein in the right. waiting room, like, yeah, that'd have been pretty problematic. But what happened was they were like, oh, she must be a Jew. Therefore, Zionist. It's their conflation, not yours. Mm-hmm. And it was like, yes. even like other, like some girls chose Haley and like Alyssa. And it was just like, literally anything that just didn't sound Arab or didn't sound like ethnic really was allowed in just such like a blatant thing to do especially like once we changed the names to see how fast we were let in like it was just so so obvious they didn't even try at all to make it like at least a little more sneaky you know which was like really shocking so two things one is this the first time that uic has organized a study abroad program in the occupation so i started at uic in 2019 And from my understanding, the November 2022 one was like the first one within recent years. I tried to do it. I'm like so sure that they've done it like years ago. Like UIC has been around for so long, but like within like modern, like, yeah, within recent years, this is the first one that's been advertised and brought to the attention of of students. And, And I wonder when you were finally let in with a 
an alias. What was the informational session like? What were people talking about? What was the information that the administration was giving? I mean, I just wonder what the conversation sounds like when you're planning a study abroad trip to an apartheid state, and then you're trying to just gloss over that or sort of dance around that. You know, are people asking about like, so do we get room and board? Like, is it just logistics and nobody's really talking about the elephant in the room? Or did somebody try to bring up the consequences, uh, the ethical reality of what it means to normalize with an apartheid government? For some trips, they're like, don't drink the water. For this trip, they're like, you're going to be pouring cement in somebody's water. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It was like, like I wasn't allowed in. I didn't end up changing my name because I was just like, that's crazy. But for my friends who were allowed in and we took notes throughout it, just like keep tally. It was like wild. I mean, like, first of all, there was only like two students that weren't there from like SJP. Like, no (laughs) way to go to Israel and it's surprising that they thought students would like I think people in this generation are just really smart about that it was funny because like I mean later during the Q&A portion when everyone was like how can you protect the safety of Palestinian students like how do you think that this ethical like would you go to apartheid South Africa there was like one girl that was like uh do we have to bring our own pillows for the camping portion (laughs) 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 I knew it. I knew that there would be like somebody there like trying to get actual information about like logistics. Yeah, it's like, yo, don't worry. We actually have a ton of stolen pillows for you. (laughs) Yeah, we have lots of furniture. It's in our Nekba archives. Just get what you need. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, like they were the whole marketing of it was just kind of like, this is a way to unite through culture, like we can achieve peace through uniting through culture. And so like, one portion of it was like, for three days, it was like, um, live like a Bedouin. And you they were oh, like, wow. camping and tents and stuff like that. And you know, the live, I'm sorry, that is just the most racist thing I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, I know. And the, the professor saying it was so happy about it, too. Like, right. She was so excited. It's and, like, that's like and, their Burning Man, you know what I mean? Where they're like cosplaying Bedouin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was like. It just wouldn't. Can you imagine, like, if insert any other, like, live like a, insert any other minority group and then just, like, hear how that sounds? It doesn't sound good. Come experience the Warsaw ghetto. (laughs) Okay. And I mean, like, she was, like, very, like, confident about all of it, which is what just made it so much more jarring is that, like, not only did she put together a PowerPoint for the informational session, but she sat down, planned an entire itinerary for this trip and got it approved through like multiple steps within the study abroad office. And nobody thought for a second that it would be a bad idea. And then you also had an interaction with somebody who was like representative from the university or the travel abroad program. Can you speak to that? Yeah. So since I wasn't allowed in, I got this email because I emailed them and I was like, I've been in the waiting room for like, I emailed them probably like two times where like first it was like 15 minutes and then it was like 45 minutes. And I was like, this is outrageous. And then he emailed me back and he was like, we can have a meeting. And so when I met with him initially, I tried to not bring up the fact that I'm Palestinian because I was like, maybe then he'll listen to me. And it worked for like a good second. I'm not going to lie. And we were just kind of chatting because I mean, another thing is like I'm mixed. So my mom is black and then my dad is Palestinian. And so when I had brought up, you know, like I've seen things in the news about how Ethiopian people are treated in Israel and like what can you do to sort of like protect the safety of black students that may want to go on this trip? And he was like, 
I'm getting the notes of a political agenda right now, which is literally what he said. And he just basically tried to like shut me down from there. And then, I mean, I kept going. So I was like, now he's cats out the back. So I could just kind of go full in. And he was basically saying like, he didn't understand why I would want to go on this trip so bad. I felt like I was going to be mistreated. He was saying that as a gay man, there's so many places that he can't go that he has to be careful to travel to. Very white gay man behavior. And yeah, like at one point he had brought up like Saudi Arabia saying that he wouldn't go there because- That is, of- you know what? I'm just sorry. I have to cut you. <laughs> that is a really good point. Um, I think the difference is he's not from Saudi Arabia. No, um, <laughs> hold on, hold on, okay. <laughs> to the point you know, about not wanting to visit Palestine if you're Palestinian or Saudi Arabia if you're gay, it's exactly the same if we accept that all gays originate from Saudi Arabia. Right. <laughs> I think, I, so So here's, I think, th- th- there's... The on- no, 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 no. The only thing <laughs> preventing their return is the homophobia of MBS. We all know that, okay? Right. Right. So here's here's the problem. I think there's um a, sort of a, an informational void. When he's asking you that question, he's revealing that he has no idea what has happened to you or your family. No idea that your family is from that land. That your grandparents were born there that your great-grandparents were born there, that your great-great-grandparents were born there, that you are only in Chicago because at some point in your lineage, in the last couple of generations, your family was forced out of Palestine. and You were unable to go back because this apartheid entity was established on your land. So you're from there. That's why you want to go. It's such a a misinformed, it's such an ignorant question to say, why would you want to go there if you're not going to be safe? It's precisely because I'm from there and I won't be safe that this shouldn't even exist. Yeah. Why would you want to go to the place you're from? (laughs) It's such a crazy question to ask, especially like once you realize, I mean, I had ended up saying I'm Arab. I never explicitly said Palestinian, but I think like it was pretty obvious um when i said i'm arab and then there was like 5 seconds of just like silent staring at each other like waiting for someone to say something like it was like you know um but and what makes it so much worse is that a couple months later cuz last year was just really crazy for sjp at our school like we had a lot of incidents and this study abroad is like one of few campaigns that we're working on right now but Around like March or April, we ended up having an event with the Arab American Cultural Center at our school where we sat down with admin and basically just explained what has happened in Palestine in the last like hundred years um, and just like what colonialism is. And that was done by like uh, the people, like the directors of the cultural center. And then at the end, they had a bunch of students from SJP speak about our experiences within the school and like. Uh, discrimination we face as Palestinian students and we invited like all of the people from the study abroad office and none of them came but also like the chancellor was there people from the office of access and equity were there and still like to this day there's been no movement regarding our situation but now they are at a point where they're fully aware of like all of it yeah because lawsuits speak you see when you're (laughs) accused of a civil rights violation. And let me quote Zoha Khalili from Palestine Legal on this. There is simply no justification for UIC's disparate treatment of Palestinian students who had every right to voice their concerns about UIC's Israel Study Abroad program. By excluding one group from educational opportunities, 
Palestinians, UIC's actions plainly violated Title VI of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Like, hey, we're just trying to do digital apartheid. Leave us alone. So... Yeah, I, I'm not surprised that people are paying attention now because it's not good for PR when you as a university are accused of a civil rights violation. Yeah, I mean, well, that was like in March before we even formally submitted the complaint. And since the complaint has come out, we did an uh, article with Middle East Eye. And when they reached out to UIC for comment, they had basically said, like, we don't know anything about this. And we take discrimination very serious. And they were just kind of like BSing and like continuing this same gaslighting. So it's like, it almost feels like regardless of how much education we actually give these people that are like in the administration at our school, there's just a level of like literally not caring and like just thinking that we're doing too much and asking for too much. And that's like what's so shocking about it is that like, even when Palestinian or SJP students at UIC were getting like death threats sent to them, like by people on campus, there was like nothing that was done, like due to Canary Mission stuff. Yeah, I don't know. They just really have made it clear that like they're openly discriminating and they're like, they're proud of it almost. They just do not care. It's also crazy to realize the efforts that you are spending to try to educate your educators. <laughs> yeah. You're paying a lot of money to get this education, which requires that you spend all this time and energy educating those who you are giving money to. Just like a mental burden, an emotional burden on Palestinian students to have to navigate their studies in this way. It's it's really amazing. And I'm very proud of you and, and, and all of you guys at SJP. And I just want to say that because you guys are not backing down and you're standing strong and you're you're fighting for your rights. And that's an example for all Palestinian American students across the country. Thank you. Yeah. It's definitely been tiring for sure. But Oh, of I mean, course. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and you're doing it up against like such a well-funded and organized network of like campaigns, basically. Right. You all are college students who have SJP and then maybe some Jewish allies as well. But it's like they have the Jewish United Fund. I went through their breakdown of financial services. And this is just from the year 2017. Israel Connections Outreach and Advocacy, they've spent $58.15 million, which largely means like grants, funds, incentives to educational institutions that will sway the balance of these interactions so that if a Palestinian student is discriminated against, the university doesn't really see a need to get involved. It's not like Palestinians are funding to the tune of $58 million. And then on top of that, like another example where like Haley Toach from another institution in the yeah. Midwest that is being influenced by these advocacy groups. And you guys are like, we'd like to fly her. And they're like, oh, no, we're going to arrest you actually for that. Can you talk a little bit about some of the other events that took place? So at some point you went flyering and then... Um, they called the cops on you? Yeah. So basically, it was like just a really crazy spiral. So like the info session was January 23rd. I met with Kyle one-on-one -on -one February 7th. 
February 8th, and this all of this year, there was like a study abroad expo and they just had a bunch of tables in the student center. And we had walked up to them, me, Salam, and Janine Al-Harithi. She's the vice president this year. And we basically were just like, what's up? And immediately when he saw Salam, who was also the girl who changed her name to Rebecca Goldstein, she, and she said, I'm Salam, I'm the president of SJP. He said, I know, which was really scary and weird because how did he know that she was the president of SJP? But like that just- Well, they've of, got files. Yeah, no, 100%. Like we have been being watched. So he just was like not having it and walked away very sassily. Um, and we did make a fan edit of it, which was kind of funny. But It was uh, crazy. He actually vogued away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was exactly like that. And then on the 13th was when we did the flyers and we went to the physical education building because that is where Barrett Arbel's office is. And that's the professor that was organizing the trip. So after all this, it was just like super stressful, even like walking home because we basically met up outside. We had these flyers where it was just kind of like pictures of Barrett that was like, I support apartheid and like, I am a racist professor, which like, was it kind of like to a T and forward? Yeah, but also she was being very forwardly racist with us. So we were kind of like, we have freedom of speech as students. Like we are allowed to flyer. We're allowed to let other students know what's going on. And so we were handing it out and trying to post them around. And a professor by the name of Tomer Kanan, who is also Palestinian, told us that we were disrupting the peace and that if we didn't leave immediately, we would have the cops called on us. And that was like, cuckoo. Oh, so you Slow have your down. own boss. <laughs> Tomer? What is that? <laughs> so he said that if we left, that he wouldn't call the cops. And so we were like, okay, cool. Like, we already got our flyers up, so whatever. And we all got in the elevator. It was probably like six, seven of us. And we got in the elevator. We put up like two last flyers, and we were just going to the first floor. And when we got down to the first floor, the doors opened, and there was a bunch of cops. Already? And, yeah. Like, which was like, means that he must have called them before he even said Of course said he did. Up. Yeah, for them to get there that fast. And so... We were just really taken aback. And so in our heads, we were like, okay, we're already doing what we said we were like going to do and what we were supposed to do. So let's just keep walking towards the door. And the cops kept trying to stop us. And we all also were like wearing like kafiyas. And one of us, uh, Janine, had had her hijab on. And when she tried to walk away, uh, one of the cops grabbed her by her hijab to stop her from leaving. Um, which was so scary. And also, as this whole interaction was happening, I don't know at, at what exact point, but Tomer and another professor, whose name I'm blanking on right now, they were both standing on the side watching this happen and laughing as we were having this interaction with the police. Also, Janine is like hardly five feet tall. Like, she's a very short girl, very tiny. And there was guys with us that were like bigger, but the cops chose to grab her and not only grab her, but grab her by like top of her sweater, bottom of her hijab. And at that point, we were like, this is too much. And so we called Salam. She headed over. We just tried not to say anything, which was hard because it kind of like felt like we were being provoked. And they forced us to give them our ID numbers. And they told us that we were detained, which was why we couldn't leave. And they basically just wouldn't let us leave until we gave them all that information. There was one cop, though, that was like trying to be like good. It was like good cop, bad cop type thing. And he kept like trying to keep the peace but when I straight up was like tell your little friend to apologize for grabbing on this like small girl by her hijab it was like yeah that's not right and then the other cop told that other cop to like stop talking the one who had grabbed him and so they were having like infighting already but so the whole situation was just like really really hectic and then finally 
after probably like 15 minutes, they let us leave. Salam was there. We got on the phone with Zaha from Pali Legal. And we were just all like very, very shaken up. Like that was definitely a very intense day because like for flyering, like for putting up flyers. Police said you were detained. But on what basis? If you have the right to flyer as students, on what basis are you being detained? For being Palestinian. Basically, because there's the the UIC policy on flyering is very intentionally vague. And technically, all flyers have to get like approved through the certain thing. Do people do that, though? No, like nobody does. Nobody does. And that's fine. Like they never get taken down. It's not like people are going and like actually getting people in trouble for this. But when they got our ID numbers, we did end up having like kind of like a strike with the dean of students and they had to have a meeting regarding us breaking the open expression policy by flyering. And Andy Clarno, who is our faculty advisor for SJP, in the meeting straight up was like, when was the last time that you guys have disciplined students for flyering, uh, for unapproved flyers? And the dean said that he didn't know, that he would check up on that. And then he never did. So it just like, it's something that doesn't happen. That is the last my- time. The last time was also Palestinians, actually. <laughs> what you are describing is by definition a civil rights violation. Unequal application of the law to groups based on their belonging to a certain background is literally a civil rights violation. That that's what that is. <laughs> it's crazy. it's it's just crazy to me how blatant it is. And it's, of course, not surprising that police would exercise brutality towards you and your friends. It's not surprising that they would pick on the smallest person in the group. Really indicative of the collaboration between oppressive state forces like cops and the Zionist agenda and the higher education system in the United States, which reinforces Zionist propaganda through the assistance of the carceral state and all these other forces that are working together. So it's really like, like, I mean, you said you were overwhelmed and shaken up. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure because it's a lot. And all of this is for what? Because you are trying to exercise your right of free speech to say, hey, there's something wrong with our university organizing a study abroad trip to what the UN, to what Israel's own human rights organization, Bitsam, says is, is, is an apartheid state. Israel's own former chief of Mossad says it's an apartheid state. So many Palestinian organizations have been saying it for decades. They've never been listened to. Scholars, academics, Palestinian activists, nobody listens to them. South African leaders like Nkosi Mandela and the entire Mandela family, they've all said it's apartheid. Everybody says it's apartheid. Sometimes the scholars say worse than apartheid, right? And nobody has wrestled with the actual claim. Instead, you have people completely ignoring it, refusing to deal with it, and organizing trips there and saying, hey, it's going to be a cultural exchange, right? Being in a twilight zone, you're like, what's going on? This is an apartheid government. You can't just act like business as usual. And you're doing what is just a, what is a very normal thing in my mind. And you're being met with this insane resistance at, at, at just trying to speak out and say, hey, I think there's a problem here. I don't think it's a good idea to just go about business as usual, 
visiting a country which is engaged in these serious human rights violations. Tried to say their basis for running the program itself was that the Department of Homeland Security doesn't say that you can't travel to Israel. Just completely go off of those guidelines, ignoring like what's happening in Palestine and how that directly affects uh, so many people here in Chicago. Like, I can't tell you how many UIC students have the Hoia, like how many weren't born here, but were born in West Bank. And like, it's just really crazy. And one of our like grad student members, he's our grad student advisor, he had emailed the chancellor at one point, and he's here as an international student. He's born in 48, like from Haifa, but he's Palestinian. And he basically was like, you guys have sent out these emails. Like we get emails about random like international stuff that's happening. And they've sent it about Ukraine and stuff like that. And so we were like, can we get one of those about what's happening in Palestine? And this was around the time of like the Sheikh Jarrah uprisings. And the chancellor just basically was like, no. And he never sent it out. And it's just like really interesting how like there's these constant comparisons that are being made. And like in so many of like the UIC classrooms, even like professors will acknowledge what's happening in Palestine, Israel as an apartheid state. Obviously, some professors will not and will be on like the other end of the spectrum. But like a good amount are able to acknowledge that. But when it comes from administration, it's just like absolutely gone. And the gaslighting, like it really does make me feel like I'm crazy sometimes. Like all this is like for nothing. But I don't know. Like I think that seeing how much traction it's sort of starting to get makes it feel like we're finally getting something out of it. It's like how you said, like people will listen to lawsuits. And like if that's what it is going to come down to for us to be taken seriously, like not only as like Palestinian people, but just like as students and as activists, then like that's what it comes down to. And that's kind of on them. You're not crazy and you are doing very important work. It is not for nothing. I don't want to make it too dramatic, but like you know, the future of educational free speech hinges on cases like this. So it's very important what you're doing. It's always darkest before the dawn. So keep up the good work. Thank you. Uh, how are you feeling right now? Take three. How are you feeling right now? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what's the general vibe on campus like for you? So we just started school like uh, I think like August 22nd. So it's still really early in the semester, but you know, people on campus are aware, like SJP is one of also the largest student groups on campus. We fully like won an award at the involvement fair last year for having like the most fun booth. Like we had, we always bring like a dub kit troupe and like a DJ and stuff. Like we have the drum, like we really get into it. Like we're very well known. And so like a lot of people are aware of it. We did on, so the uh, complaint was filed on September 13th and on September 14th, they were having another study abroad expo and Kyle was there as well as Irina, who is another person from the study abroad office and was the one that was actively admitting and not admitting students. And we handed them the formal complaint and the press release from Pali Legal, as well as the electronic intifada article. And they fully just kind of like looked at us like they were really mad about it. We were posting it around like the expo where they had all of their tables and stuff. And eventually they just like brought someone over to like hover over us to prevent us from like handing out any more flyers. And we just like kind of left. There's just this like intense divide between student voices and like administration voices like student students are like very aware of what's going on. They want to see this change. And then administration is just like 
constantly constantly trying to suppress us and like just doing all that they can and you can tell that they're like it's almost like they're annoyed by it which is like so interesting to me because like they've actively put us in like unsafe positions but to them it's like these annoying college girls won't stop like uh, harassing me or whatever uh, quotations but I don't know it's worse than that they laughed it's entertainment yeah. for them it's it's worse than than annoyance it, it's it's not it's actually more sinister. Yeah, they're like the people that pull up couches to watch the bombs drop on Gaza. Yeah. Where they're like, oh, it is. free entertainment. It is, and it's crazy because, like, I don't know, just, like, maybe it's, like, a kind of, like, naive mentality, but I always, like, pictured college in this very, like, you know, everyone's, like, an activist and everybody cares about stuff and, like, your professors are going to change your life. And it's, like, it's not that. <laughs> Yeah, I found out very quickly that most professors are pro-apartheid, actually. And, like, it's kind of hard to maintain your position if you're, like, too outspoken in any system, right? I know professors that were like, I care about this thing, but I also know that I'll lose funding if I talk about it. Yeah. Maybe now's a good time to retell your story, Michael, about... Oh yeah, did I tell that on the pod or was that? I think it was on on episode one. You did, but let's. Okay, well, it's been a while. Yeah, when (laughs) I was in college, I had a professor. He had us do this basically drill in class where he split the two the class into two, and he was like, "Okay, one of you is going to argue why Iraq should get bombed outright." And the other one is going to argue why economic sanctions are the better way to go. What? And I, I know it was crazy. This was like, I don't know, maybe 20, 2009, maybe. I'm not sure. So it was, I mean, it was just like five years after the invasion of Iraq, the illegal occupation of Iraq by the United States. And so he was like trying to whitewash it basically and just make it so that like kids were debating as to why these were. And I basically stood up in the middle and I was like, how are you going to have kids who are on their parents meal plan right now determine whether we should starve Iraqis or bomb them outright for literally nothing? And I was kicked out of class. (laughs) And and then he we went through like a chain of emails, basically where he was like, you know, I respect your position, I respect your outspoken, but you can't like disrupt the class. And I was like, well, first of all, you shouldn't have had that class. You know, if you're going to have classes like that in the future, you should let me know and I'll just skip them so you can brainwash the youth without my presence, right? And basically, that's kind of where we left it. And I'm pretty sure he's still a teacher at UCSB to this day. You get people who are themselves Arab, who should identify with this cause of Palestinian liberation, but they understand the carrot and the stick. They understand that they need to change parts of themselves, even the pronunciation of their own name sometimes maybe, right? In order to fit in into these spaces that are predominantly overrun with Zionist influence. It's terrifying. Like it's so, cause like the point of like, I feel like education is like a lot of like liberation and learning these new ideas but for like professors to not even be able to like speak on certain ideas like it just really is terrifying 
how hefty Zionist influence is within like U.S. education. And people love to constantly, especially like when we do have like interactions with Zionists on campus, a lot of the time it's like, what do you think you're going to like gain from this? Like you're not going to free Palestine with a student group in like a random university in Chicago. But like it's like these deep, like deep rooted ties that like are fueling the occupation. And also that's exactly what's going to free Palestine, right? They did not study (laughs) South African history. And I think it's just a really unrealistic ask on behalf of the oppressors for them to expect that they can just mow us over for 75 years and then keep playing whack-a-mole with the descendants wherever they may find them all around the world. We've been through something and our way of processing that trauma and dealing with it and honoring our ancestors and our grandparents is by standing up and, and defending our rights. And, and those rights continue to be denied to us, but we can't just sit silent and, and not do anything. You're doing everything, which is, I mean, what you're doing is perfectly natural and only to be expected. It's not like, it's it's weird because they're acting as if what you're doing is absurd. When in reality, it's just the totally normal thing to do, which is you've been through some shit you've been oppressed and now you're speaking up against your oppressor. Well, they're trying to discourage you, right? They're trying to make you feel like your efforts are for naught. And then, you know, hopefully you give up because they see how close they are to destruction. Like they they feel the vibes, right? Everybody in the student population sort of has a similar view. And the only place that they get like, you know, like-mindedness is admin where there's a spigot, like a money flow. And so, you know, they they know that their position is unpopular. And it's sort of like how when during desegregation, you saw like those white people at the counter, like yelling at people who were trying to desegregate restaurants, like those people are senators now, they taunt you, right? And then they honor you 50 years later with like, an award once you're dead, those same people. It's like, I don't know, it's just terrifying like the because it just like it just feels like there's like this like we're living in two different realities, you know, like and to because that was another thing where like even in my meeting with Kyle, there was just this huge air of like, well, if you feel this way about Israel, like you think it's an apartheid state, don't go on the trip and then just like, you know, say like that's that, which is like crazy because it's yeah, a lot because different. because he assumes that you're connection ends there. If it's just in a political opinion that you have about this random state, then just don't go. But it's not that simple because it's where you're from. It's your entire being. It's your it's your entire identity. Also, that kind of it's, speaks to their perspective, right? Where it's like, look, if you don't like it, just pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. Just look away. Except you can't look away because it's literally happening to you and your family. I think that it's just stuff we're reading on the news, but like, especially like even just in Chicago, like there has been like a lot of targeting of like Palestinians recently. Like there was a a young boy in Oak Lawn, which is like a very like predominantly Palestinian neighborhood that was like brutalized by police. And like, even then we weren't being taken seriously. And so like to make it sound like it's just like like to them, it really is something that they only see on their phone. And that's like what makes it like so cuckoo. That last point, I just want to speak to the fact that 
the Chicago Police Department is one of the police departments that has trained inside 48. So they send a team basically to learn counter-terrorism tactics, which we know are just like police brutality tactics. And then they bring those tactics into communities of color in the United States, right? So Chicago, that young child was a victim of, you know, this overarching connection between the two systemic forces. It's like people try and like view it like all in a vacuum, but like it is so interconnected. And like, especially like just being in Chicago, like a area where there is like a lot of police brutality and stuff like that. And to see those similarities, like people like John Burge and like stuff like that, like it's very similar to what's happening and those connections are there, but people just like constantly ignore them. And like, I feel like it's almost like comforting to some people to just like view everything in like a singular lens. Cause when you sort of start to overlap it, it's like, oh, all of this is connected and everything is kind of horrible. I love compartments. And by that, I mean torture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to share with us that about this story or something else? I guess the only detail I didn't mention was Kyle from the study abroad office. We made an Instagram post with quotes on the same day that we went to the PE building. And it was like direct quotes of things that he had said, like to me and in the study abroad session. And on, I think it was, yeah, February 17th, he sent an email with like sort of like threat of legal action if uh, we didn't take down the post because it was like copyright infringement to use that photo of him. Yeah, he was saying that the photo was, and this is another thing where I'm like, I feel like you could lose your job for this because he said it was owned by the university. So we were doing copyright from the university, but he was going to be the one to take legal action, which also for a copyright claim like that, he would have made like $50 at best, like lost it all to lawyer fees, wasted everybody's time. Like it was a very empty, like I'm, I'm nowhere near new to being like threatened with random legal action when I call people like that. It's like the third or fourth time that has happened to me. It just doesn't phase me anymore. But that was like really, really. Okay. As someone who has tried to assert a copyright violation against a Zionist who was using our photos, it won't work. (laughs) So please. I love that you're like, I'm a seasoned veteran, okay? (laughs) You want to threaten me, step up your cease and desist game, okay? (laughs) Yeah, copyright is also, it's just funny because he's like not Taylor Swift. Like, he's just not, it's just not relevant. Like, nobody. It wasn't a Getty photo. Like, what is he, (laughs) such a Kyle thing to do, right? I know. Oh my God, dude. Classic (laughs) Kyle, bro. Soha, thank you so much for being here and lots of courage to you and everybody at SJP. Also uh, to our friends at Palestine Legal who are leading this legal battle for you. I'm just really proud of all the organizing and just the steadfastness that you guys are displaying, which is really just indicative of your Palestinian blood. It's it's (laughs) a beautiful thing to see. I know that it's super stressful, but just keep going because you're engaged in a principled fight for freedom, which, you know, anytime I get discouraged or I get scared or anxious, I just try to remember that we are engaged in a good fight. It's a it's a fight for freedom. It's a fight for our rights and that that's a noble fight. So we should be very proud of 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 what we're doing. Thank you. And thank you for having me and like chatting about it. This is definitely 
very nice to kind of do it in a more like fun manner because it has been super like just really crazy like I feel like every time I sort of like talk everything back like it's like I don't know how all that happened within like a span of like three months so yeah that's this is really like nice and yeah thank you for having me can yeah, I it's like let me therapy uh, <laughs> I was gonna say I hope this was a little therapeutic folks that's been another episode of the Palestine pod thank you all so much for listening Check out our full episodes and sources at www.palestinepod.com. Follow us on Instagram at the Palestine Pod. Send us an email at palestinepod at gmail.com and look for us on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash palestinepod. That's been another episode of the pod. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a great day. Do-do-do-do-do, cause it's the Palestine